Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. Here with Pastor Nick Katie, who is the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. Come and visit us if you're ever in the area. And you can get all our service times on whitefieldschurch.com. And that's also where you can go if you missed Sunday's sermon, which was in the book of 2 Kings chapter 19. And the title was Laying It All Out Before the Lord. We've been going through uh, the books of First and 2 Kings in our series called Desiring the Kingdom. And we're coming to the end of this exciting, really exciting series that we've been, uh, been diving into. And so if you've missed any of it, uh, get over there, whitefieldschurch.com. You can download it there. And and also any of your favorite uh, podcast platforms and Apple, Google, or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. And if you would, please, you know, rate and review, give us a, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, share, do all these things. It just gets our content out there further and farther. And when people are asking questions about life and God, we have answers for them uh, with gospel centered and Christ-centered content. And so this week we find ourselves in 2 Kings chapter 19, again, laying it all before the Lord. And we we pick up again with King Hezekiah. And the Bible has a lot to say about Hezekiah. Even the book of Isaiah spends a whole section basically saying these exact same things we read here. So it's a very important part of, of Scripture. And we, we see Hezekiah is in, instituting all these reforms um, you know, restoring the worship of the Lord. All these things that had, you know, in, in times past with the other kings, they had been destroyed. And even we see him tearing down the high places, which was, you know, always a point of contention in, in all of the, you know, with all the other kings. They would, they would always go so far, but they would never completely, you know, uh, do exactly what the Lord had said, and that was take down the high places as well. And we see Hezekiah doing all these things, but then, then we read on in the chapter, where, you know, as he's doing all these right things, and then Sennacherib, the you know Syrian king, comes against them and is threatening to attack. And the question is, like, how how come you know in many times in times when you feel like you're doing all the right things that God should be like meeting you there and like the blessings should be flowing because you're doing the right things and many times that's not the reality we live in many times even when we're doing the right things things in our lives seem to be clicking as you know as long spiritually or things like that the trials tend to and many times they tend to ramp up you know and uh you mentioned on sunday that uh the idea of faith and the fact that faith has to be tested Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, faith is like, uh, we, we often say it's like a muscle, right? Muscle can't grow without resistance, without um, being used. And in the same way, your faith can't grow unless uh, it is tested, unless it is used. I mean, faith that isn't even put to the test, is it really faith? Do you actually need faith when you're not in the midst of something difficult or something, you know, um, something that's hard to believe, right? So for example, we believe in God, but the fact that we can't see him is what makes us require faith. You know, you think about that, that same thing you're saying, you know, look at Hezekiah, everything he's doing, he's doing right. And I think some people are always surprised, but literally Peter tells us, don't be surprised if fiery trials come into your life as if something unusual is happening. He's saying it's not unusual. In fact, this is exactly what you should expect to happen. I find it interesting. Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. And what does the father say over him? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And right after that, he goes for 40 days of temptation in the wilderness. Uh, I mean, the two 
You, you could follow this theme throughout the Bible. It, it's almost everywhere. Uh, it's very rare that we see uh, somebody who is walking with the Lord and not experiencing trials. Uh, in fact, we're even told, I mean, God is pleased with Hezekiah. God is with Hezekiah. And he's also facing trials. It's not, uh, it's not, you know, one or the other. It's, it's both. And, 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 you know, in some ways you might even say that if you are experiencing some kind of tension, pushback, resistance, that's probably a good sign. It probably means that the enemy uh, views you as worthy of his time and attention, right? So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, one thought on that idea of, you know, faith cannot grow without resistance. Uh, well, the same thing's true of our bodies. You know, our bodies will atrophy if we don't use our muscles. And somebody came up to me after church on Sunday, a friend, and he was saying that actually this is true of astronauts. It's a really big problem that astronauts face, especially those who are in space for extended periods of time. Because the zero gravity situation, it's very hard to get any kind of resistance in order to keep your muscles strong. And so what happens is their muscles atrophy, they get weak, and then they actually have been losing bone density. I guess there's there's been these reports and stuff. It's, it's really popular, I guess, even on, on YouTube. There's videos about it how, um, you know, through their bodily waste, the, the, the astronauts are actually losing their bone density. And so they've had to create these machines that they put in the um, space stations that essentially like work your muscles. And you have to use these regularly if you're in space, because if you don't experience that resistance, you will get weak and it will, it will be bad for you. And, and in the same way, I think that God in his love for us, sometimes that is why he sends things to us, because the reward of our faith is deeper relationship with God. Therefore, if, if he wants us to have a deeper relationship with him, this is the way. We have to utilize our faith. And sometimes that's uncomfortable, but it's definitely for our best interest. Yeah, and, and don't quote me on this, but I think astronauts actually come back a few inches taller, too. Is that right? Yeah, they do, because there's no pressure on the spine. Let's uh, <laughs> fact check us, please. Fact check on us. Yeah, I thought I heard something about yeah. that. But, you know, funny that when we, when we uh, the song we ended with on Sunday, uh, you know, we had spent a lot of time in Second Peter, first and Second Peter uh, uh, last year. And we ended with the song, and it was a song I'd written a few years ago based on that passage we're going through, and it was God of all grace. And I, I kind of just took that idea, God of all grace and God of all comfort, just kind of expanded out. You know, we had talked about praying according to the nature of God. But when we, when I finally introduced it to the church last year, I actually wrote the fourth verse because I felt like it was missing something. And the fourth verse goes, God of all suffering, God of all trial, God in the valley of doubt, God of the broken restore of all God, you are all in all. And that was, it was just that idea that God's not just the God of all the happy stuff when everything's going well. God is also there in those trials when the Sennacheribs of this world come wow. and want to tear you down. You, you know? wrote that song? I did. It was kind of put up on the screen by somebody else's name, probably because... Yeah, I don't know why, but it makes no difference. But really? <laughs> we should link to that in the description. I didn't yeah. even know that you wrote the song. We've sang it several times. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but that, then we ended with this benediction, which I also felt was very, very interesting, and it goes exactly along. But may the God of all grace who called us, this is First Peter 5.10, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And I thought it was just perfect too for that the idea that God meets us there in the valleys and He strengthens us and He's the God of all grace. But we do suffer, you know, sometimes in this world. And 
it's not going to be till we see heaven and we're in the presence of the Lord and all that's kind of no tears, you know, those kind of things will be fully realized. But, you know, it's a great, great thing for people to um, um, take away from the message. Now, another thing we wanted to talk about was, you know, one of the things during First and Second Kings and even through the Chronicles as well, they they had a lot of people speaking to them about the word of God. They had, you know, Isaiah, Hosea, you know, Joel, um, these um, great prophets that were speaking the word, speaking warning, speaking judgment, speaking God's blessing to these kings and to the people uh, throughout these different reigns, you know, these different, uh, you know, periods of kings. Now, the question for today is, are there prophets like Isaiah or are there prophets like Joel in living today in the same, you know, having the same impact or having the same office as we see in the Old Testament? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think it's a really relevant question for our study of Second Kings. And, um, and so here, here's what I would say. Uh, the short answer is, no, I don't believe that there's still an office of prophet like there was in those times uh, for a few reasons. One of the ones that we've talked about is that the office of prophet uh, was really kind of a pastor for the people. But here's, here's the key verse that I would bring up in regard to this. This is in Hebrews chapter one, starting in verse one. Here's what it says. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And he goes on to explain that the son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of his image, etc. And the point is that the, in the way that the prophets gave revelation, now the revelation, the ultimate revelation, and essentially the final revelation of God has been given through Jesus, the word of God. So in the, in the way that the prophets were revealing new information about the Messiah, about things which were to come in the future, I don't believe that there is an office of prophet that exists for that reason. Now, I do believe that the gift of prophecy is still active. In fact, we know that because the New Testament talks about it. So in the time after the Son of God, Jesus Christ had come, the full revelation of God, there's still an office, uh, I'm sorry, still a, a gift of prophecy that is active in the church. We see Paul talking about that uh, a lot in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, but primarily in chapter 14, where he spends like a whole chapter talking about the benefits of prophecy. He also talks about it in chapter 11, where he talks about how prophecy is supposed to be done in the church with respect and reverence and all that. Let me just read you a, a verse from 1 Corinthians uh, 14, verse 3. Here's what it says. It says, one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, their encouragement, and their consolation. So in other words, a word of prophecy in our modern time, right, in this time after Christ has come, is not for the purpose of revealing or telling us new things, but it's for these purposes. It's a word from God for a particular situation. Now, a lot of the Old Testament prophets did that, very much so. And, uh, and they, that's the essence of the pastoring of the people, giving them the word of the Lord. Very different than the priests who were definitely focused on what we call the cult sacrifice area, right? So they, they were working in the temple or in the tabernacle, making the sacrifices, lighting the incense, making the showbread, 
bread, making sure that was all taken care of. They weren't out amongst the people speaking the word of God to them. That is, an, that is a, a role that is now carried on in the New Testament. Like in Ephesians chapter four, it talks about different roles, right? You've got preachers, evangelists, teachers, um, pastors. You've got these different roles that, that exist and they're for the purpose of building us up to the full measure of Christ. So one of the ways that we, we would say that um, the prophetic gift is active today. I think, it's, I think it can be active in, in many ways, but one of the ways it's active is, I think, through the preaching ministry of the Word, right? It's on Sundays or whenever you have the Bible opened and taught, um, you have this, you're hoping for, I always pray that God would give us a prophetic gift, right? Like a prophetic message, not meaning that I want to be predicting the future. What I mean is that I want that word from the Lord that's timely speaks to these people in this place, in this situation for today. Because as you know, when you open up the scriptures, there are a lot of things you can say and a lot of things that are true, but what is God's message from that passage? How does it apply? How is it um, applicable to our lives today? That I think is, is part of the prophetic gift. On the other hand, I think that there, there are people, you know, who just have that, that inclination. I don't think it's a constant gift. I don't think it's like, hey, I'm a prophet, so therefore everything I say is from God and will come to be. Uh, I think it is a, time, a, a gift that God gives in time for a specific purpose for those reasons, consolation, edification, upbuilding. And uh, yeah, and, and you know, a lot of, there, there have been some movements over the past several decades that have really said, we need to reinstitute the office of prophet, right? We need to find some people and say, these are our prophets. And therefore what they say is, you know, they have the authority like Isaiah did. Well, that's gotten some people into a lot of trouble, especially recently. Um, with predicting um, different things, you know, whether it's outcomes of elections, whether it's other things related to, I don't know, coronavirus and all these things. Um, you know, with Isaiah, he makes this prophecy and you can verify yeah. it's either going to happen or it didn't, or it's not going to happen. And it did happen. Same things going on now, sometimes with these people who are labeled as prophets saying, oh, this is going to happen. And when it doesn't happen, we have to ask a question. And we've been getting a lot of questions about that, like on the radio show. You know, are they false prophets in this case? Um, I would just say, with any word of prophecy, we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where it says, do not despise prophecy. Right? That's the gift of prophecy. We shouldn't despise it. We shouldn't be skeptical and say, well, some people did things in a weird way or wrong way. Therefore, this stuff just doesn't, isn't real. Um, don't despise it, but test all things and hold fast to that which is good. So somebody says something, we say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see. I'll, I'll keep it in mind and I'm going to wait and see where it goes. So, Yeah, no, I think that's very, very wise. And I, I, you know, I think we can't stress enough that, you know, as you said, we, the, the prophets spoke in the past, but now God has given us Jesus. And if you feel like you've exhausted all that Jesus has said and has to say to us, then I think, you know, <laughs> maybe you should go back and read the gospel some more, you know, and, and take, take those things. If you need to rely on, on people on TV or things like that to speak to you what God is going to do and what God wants to do, we know what God's do. We know what the gospel is going out there to do, and, and, and we know what's, what the, the, 
what's going to happen when the gospel is preached. People are going to get saved, and that's that's what we want. You know, we want people we want people getting saved. We want people getting convicted of their sin, and we want God bringing you know that that hope of salvation and that you know of heaven into their lives. And you know that's that's what it's all about. You know, and uh, you know once you've exhausted that, you can come and ask me. <laughs> you know, you know, come and tell us when you've exhausted the depths and the riches. Even Paul talks about that of the of of the things that God has has given us. And um, no, great, great, great things to think about and uh, and and to talk about. And maybe you need to chew on as well and uh, exercise your faith in these things. And so, yes, if you missed any of Sunday's sermon, uh, whitefieldschurch.com, you can find it there. You can also, you know, uh, Pastor Nick is on Grace FM here uh, at 9.30, and that's Mountain Time, 9.30 and 2.30 Mountain Time. But you can also find him on Grace FM, uh, the app. And uh, you be, depending on whatever, what uh, time time slot you're in. What do they call that? Time zone. Time zones. Yeah. yeah. I and couldn't online. figure that out yesterday either. Yeah. So. GraceFM.com. Yeah. And on Fridays, I do a live call-in show. Show, which is also on Grace yeah, FM. Yeah, 4 to 5 p.m. GraceFM.com on the app. And, and here locally, it's 89.7 FM. Okay. Yeah. So you can find us all there. WhitefieldsChurch.com. Get over there, download the message, share it with your friends, and we look forward to seeing you next week. God bless.